G'day punters, welcome to the mailbag. Pete Anthonis, Shane Curlio here to review the weekend of racing, sport, betting, jargon, lexicon, narrative, dribble, the whole lot. Curls, you've had a much earlier start than I have because I was trying to enjoy the last days of summer out there in Cottesloe. Magnificent, no clouds in the sky, 20-something degrees, shorts and t-shirt, good a cheerio to everyone about to embark on Warrnambool where I think the max temperature is going to be 14 degrees, 15 mils of rain and 30k per hour winds. So that just sounds like mm. fun and excitement. But you were up bright and early betting this morning on Monday. Just tell us about that. <laughs> um, well, I sort of didn't get up pistol. The days rolled into one, <laughs> one another. Sunday quickly turned into Monday. Betting on the golf... Um, so for those that are listening to the pod and don't follow our Instagram or TikTok account, please do. Uh, there's some brilliant content on wagering there. Uh, mainly mine and the model. Uh, Catalonia Open. Um, we had Oliver Becker for a decent result and uh, Artis Arnos, or however you pronounce his name, <laughs> for a half result. And they've uh, Oliver's shit the bed and... They fell into a playoff, and uh, so I thought, I'll watch this. I'm up. It's midnight. I can't turn this off now. I'm invested. I want to watch it. Six-hole playoff, Pistol. A six-hole playoff, um, only for Oliver Becker to get to get done. So I got a small result there, but then that rolled straight into the Mexican Open because <laughs> John Rahm was teeing off at 3 a.m., and, um, and he had led wire to wire first three rounds in tournaments six times in his career has never been able to close out. So we had a strong position against him and a number of positions. Davis Riley was like plus 3,200 or something. Every single other golfer was there to win and fucked up. And John <laughs> Rahm has limped across the line and won by a stroke. He's led wire to wire for the first time in seven tries. Um, sickening. Is golf punting more mentally taxing than punting on other sports? I mean, if nothing else, it's only like, it's not as if I'm watching and saying, oh, geez, he played this hole yesterday and the yeah. wind was 27 degrees left of centre. Now it's 21 degrees. And, you know, the the, the track's favouring fucking balls going down the outside. <laughs> like, it should be set and forget yeah. off the data. But um, it's like watching... Perth jockeys and watching replays in one-tenth slow motion. Oh. It's excruciating to watch. Funny that, because I've actually just modified Chrome to have the default video setting on 1.3, so I can actually watch the Perth races, still get all the clarity, but they go by a little bit quicker, just as if they're running a bit faster. <laughs> it's not a bad option, that I want. There's a pearl for the punters at home. Doesn't make it any more torturous. <laughs> I was going to create my own segment for this show saying the worst race out west of the week. The problem yep. is, is that I can't actually find a winner because they've all been terrible, um, which makes things really, really difficult. But we might try and start that up when we get back to Belmont. It just might help even things out a little bit. But that wasn't the only bet you had sports-wise, was it? Because you were pretty bullish on the Hawks at the plus. Yep. Yeah, there was a little bit of, um, I don't know what the right word is here, 
little bit of analysis around this. Um, last time Melbourne played Hawthorne last year, we we had our 21 of our 22 premiership players play against the Hawks that day, and we drew with them. Yeah. Um, they're structured well against us and play well against us invariably. And um, I also we had a few outs, obviously, with COVID health and safety protocols. And I just noticed that Alex Neil Bullen was a late withdrawal on the Thursday. And I looked at the Demons Instagram account, and he actually trained with the with the squad that morning, and then was a late withdrawal that night. And I was like, "Well, wow, fuck yeah! What price someone else getting the spicy cough and health and safety protocols have them out as well? Like that's real tinfoil hat analysis there." I think the COVID angle though is one of the better. Like if you if you switched on, I think it's probably one of the better edges you can find this year. Which is a brilliant segue into what you were talking about to me off air about the Tigers West Coast. That was one of the most staggering line movements I've seen in the space of 24 hours because we were, we've got our own mailbag internal tipping competition. And effectively, the only point of the competition is that the loser at the end of the year will be severely punished. And we're not sure what that entails just yet, but. Well, I can tell you now, if Jack loses, the punishment will be a lot more severe if, say, you or me lose. I think that's, that's fair to say. But uh, we're, we're doing, the, doing the, the tips, and I was going through, and I've got like my own little spreadsheet with awful basic ratings, but they still seem to be going all right this year, which is concerning. And it's spat out, you know, Richmond, four goals. Have a look at the line. It's been... 14 and a half, and now it's trimming back up in towards 10 and a half. I'm just, West Coast is appalling at the moment. Not to mention the fact that they've got outs, but even the players they're getting back in just don't look remotely fit enough. They lost to North Melbourne. They should have beaten North Melbourne, mind you, but they lost to North Melbourne. How they beat Collingwood is absolutely beyond me. And here they are playing Richmond, who I know they've struggled to play four quarters of footy this year, but they're playing three. And three good quarters, they're usually just falling apart in one. Um, full credit to a few friends of friends who took the the 70 plus, the 100 plus. It just fell across the line, but holy moly, like 80 to 1, 101. Right, Betty. It's just superb betting. Um, but footy punting's been extraordinarily fun this year. Has for a change. The only sort of grey area that I have is the Cats, who oh, they're no universe. Good. You know that I hate them. Yeah. I know intern Les uh, on Twitter who runs the baggy intern <laughs> Twitter account for the AFL despises Geelong. Yeah. Um, and I think the only time that I've really loaded the cannons V them is the Lions game. Yep. They rolled me. Anyway, look, much hated. Um, big chance that most of those players at the Cats this year will certainly be looking for an over 35 comp next year <laughs> and they'll probably win the lot. So. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit upside there. Oh, something, something to look forward to going forward. Hopefully, Geelong missing finals. Like just, yeah. I mean, you get rolled by Frio at GMHBA Cadinia Park. Is that where they played? I don't yeah, know. yeah. Frio has got them though. They, they've got their measure. They've gone over there and won finals mm. over the last ten years, and they just they feel comfortable travelling there. Well, a lot of judges had Frio at the line a bit. Oh, um, I don't know who. I, I, apart from um, Spider Burton, I don't know who plays at Frio. So, 
<laughs> I couldn't tell you a player. Oh, one kid that won the premiership there that's got a goatee now. No, the Brownlow. He goes, all right, Fife. Did Dale Kickett play for Freo this week? Or was he... Uh, he didn't play this week, did he? Nah, Derek did, though. Five Waterhouse, did he? He didn't go over either, did he? So nah. probably a good effort without a few stars missing. Oh, just anyway. superb. Okay, should we, should we talk about uh, some racing stuff? Because technically that's what we're meant to be professionals at doing. Yeah. We'll start with um, Adelaide. Let's start with Adelaide. Um, let's start with a bit of self-congratulations to us for declaring, well, mainly me, but um, you supported me with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see you in heaven. Um, we both agreed that it would start odds on and win. And tick, tick. And it did. Yep. Great uh, ride. Yeah. Fe- worked out perfectly for it, I understand. Rode it like a good thing too. Wasn't cute. Now, the reason I want to make a point of that is because cute fucking riding is Jamie Carr's Achilles heel. Well, it was Saturday anyway, but I don't yeah. want to get ahead of myself here. That's just, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that you're wound up about this. Yeah, um, yeah, job done. Nice Philly, Group 3 winner, black type on the pedigree now. Like, get the fucking horse to Brisbane and let's tackle some good races with it. Just looking at the data, very slow tempo. It was in a perfect spot stalking up front. I'm not totally sold on the last 200 metres split, given the tempo. Yeah. I would not be surprised if the horse is going to be far better equipped at the pure sprint distance. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um. I'm just wary. Yeah. I'm wary going forward. Like if it has maybe like a four-week spell or something like that between now and, say, a race in Brisbane, I'll be happier to, to follow it up. But um, obviously, I, that this horse doesn't owe us anything from a punting point of view. So, No, that's right. Week um, week. Look, I thought the last section was disappointing and I should sell it. <laughs> Hard to know, isn't it? Because, like... You you have a good look at her up the straight. She has got a lovely action. She is a nice, she is a nice horse. Um, I thought maybe even further originally. Mm. Um, well, but maybe maybe she is. Maybe I, mean, I got it wrong. Maybe it's actually the opposite. She's actually needing that longer distance again to start showing a little bit more aerobic capacity. Mm. The interesting, interesting splits, aren't they? Because mm. the. The, the 10 to the 8 was her fastest split. Yeah. And then she's basically held the same speed the last 800. Well, if you know, the average speed. Yeah. The, um, the 6 to the 4 was same as the 2 to the finish. And look, I know it's a, a slow tempo overall, but she's still managed the second fastest last 800 and the second fastest last 1,000 on the mm. on the cut. I'll just point out though that the data for this is really iffy because it is. You've got the, the Morfittville track for three races, and then yep. you've got the Parks track for the other six. 
Now, I don't know if anyone actually has an idea as to why this is the case, but if you do, can you just let us know? Because from a data perspective, especially reviewing a meeting, it is absolute torture. Well, I have um, a meeting note for the three races that were held on this track. Yeah. Uh, it says hashtag BYE. BYE. Believe your eye. Believe your eye. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, and double check data was. We're racing on. We're, we're reviewing a meeting on race run on two different tracks. Yeah. And it was funny in a sense because. The two 2,000 metre races, races six and seven, the Chairman Stakes and the Australasian Oaks, same distance, over 1.3 seconds difference in overall time, which is fascinating because they're all going forward again to another race. And what's the better grounding? You've got a horse or the lead time, lead speed for the Chairman Stakes, best part of 11.1 lengths fast for the class to the 600. Whereas in the Australasian Oaks, they've gone 3.3 lengths slow to the 600. What's the better grounding going towards a step up and journey? Well, suppose the question will be around which horses out of the fillies out of the Oaks could potentially go to a derby or derby. I'll never know the right answer to that pronunciation. <laughs> um, that is a very good question. And I think, you know, I think on in this instance, it will be uh, certainly an individual basis on the back of setup going into that race, yeah. that 2400 or whatever they race, run that derby over. Is it 22 or 24 there? I can't remember. Um, you've got to have some horses coming out of the Glint of Hope race that were just posied up, um, found their position, travelled, and then asked to improve. Um, and the the races got home or the winners got home at negative 9.6 and the race negative 7.4. So it's going to be impossible to be in the finish or make ground. Yep. Those figures. Conversely, the jungle magnate race where things that got back and settled and come with their runs were going to be in the finish. I think the horse for me that stands out out of the Phillies race going towards a high tempo race would have to be daisies drawn obviously horribly there in the oaks mm. got well and truly back uh i thought it was one of the clear better runs off that impossible tempo impossible position she just couldn't win there on saturday yeah yeah um, uh yep agree um speaking of bad rides now it's a game of inches this mm. game pistol it's a game of absolute inches and I thought um, I thought a more aggressive ride on my whisper. It would it wins. It was the dumbest smart ride I've seen in quite a while. Just wanting to pop off the fence, you know, just take take the easy option. Quite often with these longer distance races, the fastest way home is the best way home. And losing momentum at the top of the straight to try and get off the fence when the winner then goes straight up the fence was just a very difficult watch. And then to see the horse come again on the line after just looking like it was just grinding home. It's just, it's lost momentum at a key point there. Absolutely. It has. Um, 
even though, right? Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit of pocket talk as well. Yeah. Obviously, um, it has to be. You know, I was on my whisper and see you in heaven. So, but you're allowed to be aggrieved when the winner comes up inside you and knocks you off and takes your spot in run. Yep. Like, you're allowed to be. I don't think there's any rules about not. Now, that doesn't mean you're allowed to get in, like, Jamie's Instagram DMs and <laughs> abuse or anything like that, but you can just be aggrieved. It's like, why being cute for the sake of being cute? You're probably on the best day of there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Pocket talk. We've got to move on from it somehow. You know, I'll... I thought that she got handled a bit sad day, Jamie. I thought it wasn't one of her better days. Um, there was a couple of other races there that um, just probably a little bit too cute and just probably on the best horse. I just needed to be ridden like it oh, rather than, you know, coming across heels. I'm glad we're not on video here, but I'm, you can imagine me impersonating here, coming across heels, trying to gather the rain. You see that little soft push, like, come yeah. on, little fella, you know. Just sit down and bash the fuck out of it so it picks up, you know. You just... Anyway, I mean, for me, fancy potting Australia's best jockey. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, someone's got to do it. But hashtag pocket talk. We'll leave it at that. Yes, exactly. I'm doing it in my pocket. Yeah. Meteorite, though, the ride on Meteorite. So, oh, I really like the trial of Meteorite. First up, first start for the Clark and Stable should get into a good spot. They haven't gone particularly fast here, mm. and just didn't want to roll forward at any stage, just happy to sort of just sit, take the sit, take the sit. But because she didn't roll forward on it and wasn't a little bit more aggressive, just found the horse pocketed for the entire way of the straight. And again, another horse that just got clear and made ground over the last 100. It was just so difficult to watch. Mm. Never really had any like clear, clear air. Um, and I think the what's really good, uh, what's a really good point of reference here um, is looking at the punning form data. Mm. The first and second horses actually like putting themselves into the race at the 600. Uh, Grace Grease is a horse that you identified out of that Oak Bank meeting. Um, I'm not saying it, look, it, it, saying it won by default is possibly a bit silly, but look, it shouldn't have won. Uh, but it did. It and Diamonds, like, both able to put itself in the race. Um, particularly the four to the two, where Meteorite's going, like, just, not, you know, having nowhere to go. Grays, Grease and Diamonds run, you know, good class bet, um, class figures. Six to four, four to two to put themselves into the race and give them a chance. And Meteorite's just, like, taking no part, basically. And it should have won. Yeah, it's all about momentum. Anyway, Adelaide hasn't been the worst hunting ground. And I think um, like anywhere else, and I've found this in Queensland uh, a little bit of late, this little bit wet, wetter tracks and stuff, some decent horses on some firm ground is a lot easier to trust the data and you don't have to be as crafty to find sort of angles and lanes and shit like that. Like these are just like the ride horses, you know, running, you know, up to the what they can, to what the data suggests they can do and, Makes it a little bit easier to bet on better quality of horse. Speaking of the right horses, just before we leave Adelaide, the data of Elation, both starts, it's only had two starts, and it's one by four and a half lengths at Pakenham, now 3.8 lengths at Morfordville. 
the last 400, 200 splits elite. I know it's only been exposed to slow tempos, but you can't knock a horse that's been running in slow tempos until you see it fail in fast tempos. Until then, you just have to assume that the thing could be capable of anything, and it gives every indication there that this is going to be winning group races this spring. It's a group. It's a group horse. No doubt at all, it's a group horse. Um, like it, it won that race in three strides. Yep. Electric, turn of foot. And it was funny, wasn't it? Because a lot of the jockeys seemed a bit hesitant to use the inside lanes there. Zara had no qualms whatsoever. He was just like, I'm the best horse. I'm just going to gap you all right now. Catch ya. And didn't he want? Yep. Mark Zara wasn't driving, wasn't going to Adelaide to play <laughs> golf on Saturday. Like, no. Like he's, he's too good, Zara. He's sort of like, have a look at his riding stats, you know, like, have a look at his win percentage. He's in a very, um, he's in a groove where you can just pick and choose. Yeah, good. He's so, him and, you know, he's so much better than the, the, than the average. Why wouldn't you have him on? Um, don't know whether it can go and win a Cox Plate um, or anything like that. Maybe this preparation, but like, it's going to be a major player. Um, speaking of Cox Plates, um, just a shout out to all those Animo punters. Um, <laughs> State of State of Rest won a Group One overnight in France. Just to um, just to frank the form and um, just a really just reiterate of that you know should have won and it's a world class animal and you. Should have won a Cox Plate if you backed it. I can't Here's wait. How good's the Cox Plate going to be this year? Well, I don't know. Um, well, it should be brilliant with some quarantine and some, you know, VRC backflips on, on um, scanning and stuff like that to get the internationals here. I, it, it'll be a Japanese free for all. <laughs> That's what it'll be. And it'll be easy as a result. Well, I could just bring it on. We don't even have to. I won't be doing any form for any feature Caulfield, Melbourne Cup, or Cox Plates. I'll just be backing the Japanese. And if no Japanese turn up, what's your what's your power rankings of internationals by country? Jap- uh, okay, so I'd back Japanese number one. Yep. And then you'll have the uh, weighted certainty Northern Hemisphere European horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Um, after that, the horses from Mauritius, and then the Australian stayers just under that. <laughs> what about the Malaysian stayers? Where do they fit into things? Now, I think there's a series of races at, um, in the Solomon Island sort of region that they tackle that time of year. Yep. So, no. Nah. I'll personally be looking for the stayers coming across from Chile. They're I think on. that that group one, the the group one derbies in Chile. I think that's that's where it's at. That's the untapped resource. I know Hong Kong's been pilfering <laughs> those for a few years now. I think it's time yeah. that that Bray and Aussie and uh, the other one, they all get involved and start just trying to take some of these Chilean horses away. And uh, we can we can make Australia's racing great again as a result. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk to the boys at punning form to get some uh, some cameras over there and start yeah. clocking it for us. Get the satellites working. Okay, so that was Adelaide in a nutshell. So basically saying it's fun to do the form there at the moment, but it's very difficult looking at the results afterwards. 
Eagle Once farm. the carnival's over, I won't be doing form there either. Just quietly. Completely agree. Completely <laughs> agree. It's a, it's a, you know, one in every port sort of situation. And at the moment, yep. you're in Adelaide. Yep. About Eagle, to head to Queensland. Yes. Eagle Farm. Just going, the first thing you notice when you open up the results there on punting form, look at the position, hashtag wides. There is a lot of horses that settled one, which means on the rail. Look, let's not be too harsh on Eagle Farm, Peter. I've been singing its praises for three weeks and it dished up this absolute tripe on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Any reason for it? <sighs> Who knows? I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, geez, it quickly established though, wasn't it? Um, I probably could have zagged, zigged and zagged a few late. Um, I, like not backing Bullfinch was like a bit of a probably error, but it was like, how do you send a bet when there's a late scratching? Like go Wanji played up in the gates. who was the favorite got taken out. It was like, you know, late scratching, they jump. You can't send, well, let's back Bullfinch because it's going to be fence and you don't have to worry about go once you're trying to follow it or knocking it off. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was fence in run heavy. Um, pulling wide and making ground was not doable. Um, I don't know what else to say, really. That's how, that's going to be a big review day. Uh, meeting, sorry. Um, there were some notable performances to discuss, and I think um, we should probably start with um, race number eight yeah, and talk about stakes. the victory stakes. Okay, so first thing I see for the class, 0, 0.0 lengths fast to the 600. So that is bang on even. Yeah, so let's... Not that anyone listens, but let's just right now, everyone, shut up and stop saying Rothfire went out too hard. No way. Right? Because he didn't. Um, I never. I didn't think he did on the day. I, I thought on the day, I thought like, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen here. Everybody is going to want the spot behind Rothfire on fence. And it's a matter of whether Count the Rupee gets crossed, which I think it would have. And I said that in the preview uh, update that I thought Scalopini could find that spot behind um, Rothfire. And those three would be fencing run and would fight the race out. But Rothfire would be too good for them. As it's turned out, Rothfire led. Um, and then as soon as Orman asked him to quicken, he started hanging in, laying in a little bit. So, like, I'm not a horse whisperer. Um, but that looked very much to me of a horse that knows what his pain threshold is now and he's not prepared to go through it because it hurts. And just even bringing up Rothfire's history here in punning form, in the JJ Atkins, seven lengths fast for the class to the 600. In the Runs of the Rose, 5.7 lengths fast to the 600. In the Golden Rose, 6.5 lengths fast to the 600. He's gone faster, well and truly faster previously. Well and truly. But the horse clearly has had a major issue in the Golden Rose. Yep. We've seen it three times since. Been beaten by 3.4 lengths, 3.9 lengths and 2.4 lengths. Yep. And um, the stable is not one to have gas in the tank 
when they go to the races. They are screwed down, gallops them hard, trials them hard. Like, it was there to win. Yeah. He looked, you know, there was nothing but nothing but ticks from the yard. He was certainly very firm in the market. There was no chinks in the armour there as far as preparation was concerned. And this is like, you know, if he's back, he's winning this because he's got, he's going to lead. He can run time. The track suits that. Uh, nothing but ticks. Good little pipe opener for the stable mate, though. I know it's yeah, nice. Defense, but um, you know, really good split six to four, four to two peaks yeah. and tapered off the last two hundred to be expected. Yeah, um, sort of had a peanut on her as well in the race. Um, like I said, once the track pattern established what it was, you know, you could have easily been on Count the Rupee and Scalopini and I'd already committed to Rothfire and a, and a peanut on Startante, so I couldn't really go and back four horses in the race. But yeah. uh, lots of forgives there, Peter, and that's coming off a Doombin meeting where there was lots of forgives because you couldn't run on as well. So um, be prepared to back $20-plus winners with me over the next two weeks in town. Wonderful. Now, this other thing that we both found was RNT. Is that how we're saying it? Yep. Yeah, I'm saying it like that. Yep. Pretty decent yep, and win, I thought. Yeah, decent win. And like it carried Karen McAvoy. It's gone enormous. Um, <laughs> um, like nothing's like, it's not as if he rode any different to Saturday than what he normally would, right? If there was a chance to, you know, half, you know, try and, bluff one inside you and fall to the fence because that's where you need to be. He's not that type of jock. You know, if it was B. Stewart or N. Callow and there was half a chance of being on the fence because that's where I needed to be, they'd find the fence. Gentleman jock, Karen. Really good big race record. Um, this horse was beaten when the leader and horse that come through the inside park lane, I think it was, um... And then he sort of, he, he kept, you know, he kept coming uh, and then just, he'd had enough late. Famico sort of flashed at him. Good enough win though. Um, you know, of course I tweeted out my pocket and saying, get Callow back on and get this horse to the Stradbroke. I made that, that was a pu- purely pocket tweet. Um, I don't know where to go with this horse. As you said though, Karen McAvoy on board. Karen's won two of his last 50. Yeah, it's not great. Um, anyway, he, he's a big race rider, Peter. Oh. Uh, yeah, horse ran well. Um, I, I didn't think it was, you know, from a from a data point of view, um, you know, it was okay. Nothing brilliant, I didn't think. Still better than class. Still better than all benchmark and... And probably um, and potentially still something to come. So be just uh, a matter of maybe following him through his grades and no more than a class three Saturday next time. All right. That's Eagle Farm in a nutshell. Another review meeting for you. So you'll have yes. a busy week ahead because you've got about a billion places to bet on with the Bull Carnival. And then also there's daily yeah. racing coming from Queensland. I'm not looking forward to the Bull. I hope... Um, I hope that cold, crappy weather really settles in and everyone has a shit time. Um, 
I'll be at Gatton Thursday. I'll be at Warwick Tuesday. I'll be sunning myself on the Southern Downs at Warwick. Um, Eagle Farm Wednesday, Gatton Thursday. So I'm going to get on track and bet really, really bad low horses out of the yard at Gatton and Warwick. I cannot wait. And I've got the last week at Ascot for this season. And I'm just pretending and hoping that that's going to rectify all the shit run of results I've had over the last four weeks or so. And I don't think it will, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that just being back at Belmont in my favourite surrounds of being in the concrete jungle, feeling miserable and safe as it rains inside, as you get to see horses just fall into a trench at the 250 metre mark. Actually, oh, I guess the trench wasn't really there last season. Only one horse fell in, that was Battlestorm, one of Uncle Bob's, and we haven't seen it since. So, And we backed the winner on that occasion. So, you know, that, that, was, that was something. I got my, my trench money back from the previous year. <laughs> Jeez, I'm looking forward to getting back to that track. Sounds really exciting. Doesn't it? It sounds great. Mm. Anyway, big week ahead. It is indeed. Best of luck to Jackson Oldham, three days straight at the ball. Um, I really want him to go well because if he goes missing or if he succumbs to the Whalers on Tuesday night, I'm probably going to have to fly over on a red eye and go straight to the ball to replace him. You can do that on your own. I won't be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Good luck. Good night. Curls, pleasure as always. We'll catch up on Thursday to preview whatever's happening this Saturday. Look forward to it, mate. Cheers.